Hi, Tobias. Good to be with you. Uh, today we'll cover another story of Tobias. Um, funny enough, second story also in India. Uh, I don't know exactly what he's going to talk about, but I look forward to it. Just before we get into it, uh, a quick recap for all of our listeners. Uh, this is uh, a place where we share about our encounters with new cultures. The structure is that, you know, we hear a bit of context um, about a person uh, who's traveling to this place. Then we'll, we'll hear about their, you know, uh, preconceptions about what the place was about. Then we hear about an experience that I went through. Uh, and uh, we'll have a back and forth on that as I try to understand more about that experience. And in the end, we'll have some takeaway for the audience. So with that structure laid out, let's get to it. Tobias, um, today, what story are we going to talk about? Yeah, thanks a lot, Simon, for the intro. It, yeah, exactly. We are going to be in India again. I really thought about this, whether it makes sense to have a second episode, but I think I already announced last time there's another one, which I really like to share with you. And um, it's something that really touched me. And I believe, so again, I'm in India. I won't go into all the details again. I'm living now in this uh, place with another um, 16 or so trainees on our floor. And I'm actually sharing okay, So it's room. on the same trip. It's on the same it's trip. It's on the same the trip in story. India. Exactly. Internship, still there working in India. And again, I'm sharing my room with some uh, Indian colleague. Actually, I didn't work with him closely, but he was also a trainee of the organization. And we, uh, yeah, we spent, of course, some time together, got to know each other. So that was kind of the, the onset. I've been in India now for maybe two months. Yeah. I've okay. got accustomed a little bit to the place. And um, yeah, one day, a colleague of mine, he just mentioned to me, would you be interested or would you be willing to join the wedding of my sister? And I ah. said, okay. <laughs> Interesting. I look forward to this Indian wedding. <laughs> exactly getting invited to a, a, his sister's wedding, which was already a little bit surprising to me, but I said, oh, it sounds interesting. Why, sure, why was sure. it surprising to you? Yeah, because it's his sister. I mean, if it's his wedding, I, I would even more understand, but being invited to the sister's wedding, whom I didn't know, at least in from Germany. my background, was not common. Yeah, So, so in Germany, directly. Exactly. a new friend wouldn't <laughs> invite you to the wedding of their sister. Yeah, that was already unusual, but I thought, okay, cool. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious. I'd like to, to know more. And then I asked him, yeah, when and where? Where does it take place? And he said, yeah, yeah, my hometown. You should come and everything. I said, where's your hometown? Yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's Jaipur. And I said, okay, Jaipur, how far is that from here? Yeah, I said, oh, it's not so far. It's like uh, 14 hours by train, no problem. <laughs> so, okay, Whoa, 14, 14 hours. hours. Exactly. I okay. mean, distance in India, I guess, is, is different to Europe at least. And uh, yeah, then uh, he told me, it's in two weeks' time. Uh, can you, can you, would you like to come? And I just said, yeah, for sure. I mean, if I'm, I'm free on that weekend and, and it's on the weekend. So uh, yeah, I, I will be there. So I, I think it was a Saturday it was taking place. And just to cut a long story short, I just, you know, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. And then we travel together pretty much on the train uh, overnight. Okay. Mm -hmm. A couple of questions at this point. Uh, first, <laughs> yes, first one is, uh, you know, allow me to mix it up a little bit. First one, sure. what was your, what were your preconceptions about how an Indian wedding was like? And second question is, how did this invitation feel? Did you receive it initially as intrusive or as Oh, he really likes me. Therefore, he liked me to join. Um, mm -hmm. If you can clarify that for the audience. Sure. So how it was like, I had really no preconception. I mean, I was expecting it to be bigger, let's say, as in Germany, because I think just gatherings overall in that region, I feel or felt at least might be just bigger. Let's say 
in Germany, you have maybe max hundred people or so. And I thought maybe that's a few hundred. Yeah. It's, it's large. Right. Yeah? So something that was my preconception, of course, music and such, you know, food. I was expecting a little bit of yeah, Indian flavor, whatever you call that. But, okay. um, and it was not intrusive at all. It was very, I mean, he was a very calm guy and very nicely asking very quietly. And I felt actually, um, appreciated. So for me, it was a, it was, it was really a bit surprising again, but it was something I felt very positive about. Very and, interesting. Um, yes. If I can slide and, in a quick point here. So growing up in, in Benin, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we used to watch all these movies, sometimes Bollywood movies. So I had, I was asking you the question because I have an idea of what Indian weddings look like, at least on TV. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I thought that maybe you were exposed to the same, but it seemed like no. All right. So let's hear the story now. Yes, for sure. So then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can tell a lot more details, but I think really want to go to the experience I, I had there. And uh, yeah, we traveled there. It was an overnight travel, which is kind of common in India. So you just get on a, on a train and, you know, it takes it takes us through the night. The network is really good, actually, and also affordable. I was still, you know, as an intern there or a train. How much was the train ride approximately? Uh, it was nothing. It was like three euros or so. It was ridiculous. Huh. And like did you everything. have bunker beds? You yeah, yeah, exactly. You could lay down, but people also lay down on the floor. Like the, the whole place was full of people. <laughs> it was a real wow, interesting okay. trip to get there. And, um, well, we got there. Um, and I actually explored the city a little bit. It's the capital of uh, Rajasthan in the north. So northwest, okay. um, of India, rather dry, uh, uh, part of the country. And it's a pink city. It's called pink because they, they, uh, painted a lot of the city in this color, which is a, the, the color of, um, uh, hospitality, I believe. And, uh, yeah, I just had a trip around town, you know, I just traveled a bit, explored the city, uh, the next day, which was a Saturday. And then we actually got to this wedding location rather early because it was his sister, of course, you know, the family prepared and so forth and so forth. Okay. So we got there and I was already uh, a bit surprised because it was huge. It was like two or three football fields. It was really wow. big. And people were just, you know, putting up tents and putting up lots of things. And I could already an anticipate a little bit the scale of this, uh, of this wedding, right. which I, I didn't knew in advance, uh, but it was cool. You know, I was just looking and I was actually also speaking to his um, sister, I believe, and, and just family and friends and got introduced. The interesting thing, first of all, was I, I believe I was at least the only Western looking guy. So there was not like an international West wedding, at least to what I saw and experienced, it was really a local Indian kind of wedding, you know? Right. So I already, which felt, made me feel not awkward or anything. I think just uh, surprised. Yeah. I thought maybe there was more people, you know, from all over the places invited, but at least that was my impression. No, more or less it was me. And then it was interesting because they also offered me this uh, traditional dress. So I was, right. I was not normal clothes. Was that a kuti? Yeah, I think it was a quote. Yeah, I don't actually, yeah. I don't exactly know what it's called. I have photos, okay. of course, I can show you later. But in the end, you know, I said, yeah, sure, why not? You know, I was trying out new things, so I look really like like traditional <laughs> local clothing, I would say. So all that felt very uh, welcoming, and I felt really appreciated. And um, I mean, again, I'm, I'm jumping a little bit because <laughs> we don't have uh, too much time. But what I want to come down to is the wedding then later started, and it was like. You can imagine maybe like in a, in a Hollywood movie or something or Bollywood movie, probably, uh, the, the, the groom arrived on a white horse and there were already, on the I white think, horse. Okay. I think there were, I, I later found out there were 2000 people at this wedding. 
but there were crowds, so many people, you know, the place was so full and it was music. And then again, the room on the white horse and everything was rather extravagant, I would say. And, and the, the, um, the groom and the bride, they basically had to shake everybody's hands. So there were lines of Wait, people. all 2000? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it took hours and hours and hours. People were just showing up, giving them their respects. And, you know, this took a long time, you know. And wow. I guess the whole thing started at six or so. And then at some point it was close to midnight. And I was already wondering, like, where does this lead? Like, where, where does the wedding, <laughs> what's happening? Yeah? And then people explained to me, yeah, you know, it, it depends a little bit on the, on the moon. And, you know, the, 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 the calendar has to be right. And then the ceremony will be starting. And mm -hmm. I said, okay. And I just experienced the place again, was talking to some people. And what was interesting at some point, because of course I stood out a little bit. Yeah. People just approached me, talked to me, you know. <laughs> also, you're tall, last, you must say. Yeah. 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 Maybe. But there were some tall Indians for sure. And for sure, I, I looked a bit different, I guess. And then uh, people right. just um, came up. And I told you last time this, this typical questions uh, many times I was asked, like, what's your name? How old are you? Are you married? Uh, always the same. And okay. then, but there was some guys that came up a bit older than me and they, you know, started also talking to me a little bit and yeah, what do you do? Yeah, this and where you're from and what do you do? Oh, it's okay. And then what does your father do? I said, my father. Huh. Oh, it's a bit surprising. I said, <laughs> yeah, you know, works in a bank and this and that. Okay. Okay. Do you have brothers? I said, well, you have uh, siblings? I said, yeah, yeah. I've got two brothers and, you know, I continue, continue, continue for a long time. I was asked like a lot of questions. And I thought, mm -hmm. okay, so this is an interrogation. Like, what is happening? Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't <laughs> put things together at that point. I was just, you know, oh, interesting, interesting. And I later went to my friend. I told him, yes, now nah, that was these, these gentlemen. You know, they just, you know, talked to me for 20 minutes, asked me a million questions. And they said, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you know, you know, they have other daughters as well. Yeah. <laughs> ah, <laughs> now, now you have to keep the ball rolling. You have to keep the ball rolling. I said, what bowl? What are you talking about? <laughs> I was so surprised because apparently at these weddings, it's kind of common. Yeah. That, you know, everybody gets to know each other people, you know, and that is actually kind of the story I would like to talk about to do uh, uh, kind of mm -hmm. arranged marriages. And, um, and, and this was again, first of firsthand, this, this experience of, you know, just having this conversation and this being part of a broader cultural context, which was That's kind it. of invisible for me at the beginning, that this was taking place. I mean, people were talking to each other, but I think people were also looking and people were checking people out. So I think there was a lot mm. going on, which I didn't really obviously uh, So a wedding and is a location for scouting uh, the yeah. right bride and, and, and maid for yes. the next wedding. Yes, and especially the bride and groom. for... The parents to look for the right one and i mean I not see. so much the the person that's going to get married but really the family uh, surrounding them you know right. talking and and, and 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 getting to know each other so that was for me the first uh, experience of the evening i would say and the whole um the whole thing then really took place i think at i think 4 a.m i think by wow. that time lots of the people had left i think maybe 200 were still left the closest family And then, you know, the whole ceremony started uh, with a fire and throwing rice into the fire and flowers and walking around the fire. And that took a long time. I think that was mm. two hours at least. And there was somebody chanting the whole time. And I was explained the whole chanting, you know, it's, it's not by coincidence. There was this experience of, you know, being checked out, I would say, for potential, <laughs> as a potential bride, as a, as a potential bride. Yes. But uh, sorry, think, as a potential groom, I keep missing these things. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're the you're groom. potential groom. Yeah, exactly. And I just, um, the, 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 but the bigger theme behind that was for me that 
when I was uh, working also in Lars and Tubro with all these young trainees, I mentioned to you last time, these were really well-educated people in the early right. 20s, like scientists, engineers, mathematicians, IT PhDs. experts. Yeah, exactly. Really well-educated. But the, the thing that really surprised me, and I talked a lot with them about that, and that's related to this experience, is they were all very much looking forward to meeting their future wives. They were all part of this culture where, you know, in your early 20s or maybe mid 20s, you know, your family starts looking or asking around for a potential uh, a partner. And they were all so excited. And it was happening every couple of weeks. Somebody saying, yeah, yeah, this weekend I meet my future wife. It was usually guys I was uh, with, yeah, and they were right. always looking forward to meeting their future wives. And, you know, I just, from my background, it's very different in Germany. Right. You know, it's more let's say individualistic and the whole idea culturally is whatever you go out there, you live your life and then you meet somebody and you fall in love. You know, this is right. kind of the, um, this, <laughs> the way we interpret this. So it was, it was unknown to me. And I think, um, I also, um, I just saw in them because I was, I was baffled, you know, I always thought, and that's actually interesting for me reflecting from my own perspective mm -hmm. that, um, let's say, with a certain, and that's already, I think, egoistic or uh, cultural monocentric thinking. Yeah? I was thinking, okay, at a certain, this is like the past. Yeah, we are all right. going to the future. Let's say where you, you know, you're more individualistic, and you should not, you know, nobody should tell you whom to marry, but yourself. You decide right. this. Yeah, and I had these pre prejudices, as we as we say. Right. And I was really curious about this. I talked with the guys a lot, and I said, like. But yeah, but you don't know the the girl, you know. <laughs> how you know, can that right? work? You know, it's yeah. I wasn't sure how that should work, but they they really. Um, it became apparent over a number of exchanges on this topic that um, it's it's really they said you know our parents they know us of course very well <laughs> and our cousins and our uncles and aunts and all of them and they have the best very best intentions you know to find the partner for me that right. I will live my life with. And the other side does the same, right? And there's a lot going on before, you know, we potentially mm. meet. And they were very optimistic and, and positive about this working out, you know, and it was, again, for me, rather new. And I, I, I but I still thought, okay, but then like you meet and then when, when it doesn't fit, like what work. do you do then? And right. they said, you know, you can, of course, if it doesn't work, it doesn't fit. You can, of course, say, no, I don't think it's the right partner. But it became too clearer and clearer to me that this, um, first of all, the system I just explained, the surrounding family really with good, best intentions, looking for the right partner, and also both bride and groom really opening, being open for this, yeah? Right. Getting to know each other and then developing their love, you know, really looking forward with it with enthusiasm and with, with, with you know, confidence. This apparently works, you know, <laughs> and that right. was, you know, for me, a really big reflection and a big learning. Then we also spoke about, you know, statistics, like how many wed marriages in, in the Western world, uh, you know, survive over time. And in comparison right. with, with uh, let's say, these uh, arranged marriages, and apparently the, the statistics are better in the, in the Indian subcontinent, which, of course, doesn't mean anything on this cultural level. But for me, it was a really major learning um, and a, a reflection to just first of all understand how let's say biased i was or how i right. prejudiced i was and then mm -hmm. also to experience and learn about how they see their um see their their future and be open to this partner which is coming into their life and 
being totally excited about it. Obviously, these right. guys had no girls before that, you know? They were really, it, I would say, kind of innocent, yeah? And, right. and I strongly believe they were, the way they, you know, really, they were so excited about meeting this girl, you know? I just, for me, it was eye-opening. And again, especially also because they were highly educated. Like, they, they knew right. all about, you know, um, their Theoretical studies. physics. <laughs> even, even the world as such, you know, they knew about other okay. cultures. They knew other places. And in, in one maybe side note, every morning also, they all went and prayed to their gods, you know. They put right. up some, some lights and candles and stuff. And they, for me, it was, at least for me, from my perception, it was a big discrepancy, like working hardcore on IT stuff, like CAD, 3D modeling and all that all day long, right. talking with you about Bismarck. And then, you know, still being very closely attached to this roots of their uh, culture. And I, culture, yeah. I learned a lot. And this was my experience. And this I wanted to share with you and also discuss with you because I took away some learnings from that and lessons learned as we, as we call them. But this was a great, a great time for me. Wow. What a story. So I actually had no idea what you were going to talk about. And I'm positively <laughs> surprised because this topic is linked to so many other uh, themes. So first... Right. The, the theme of uh, the importance of culture in our lives. Second, the fact that different people have different, let's say, uh, incentives and, and, and systems, and that mm -hmm. what one should look for is what makes sense in that system, and that you cannot mm -hmm. use one system to judge what's going yeah. on in another system, etc. And exactly. uh, the other point is I wanted to maybe share, reflect on some... Uh, uh, you know, similar uh, uh, histories in, in Europe, in Asia, and in Africa as a way of uh, broadening the, the debate. So to start with, I think anything that's strange or that's different from one's life, one can see as, ah, why do these people do this thing? It's mm -hmm. so different, right? And there can be, an, of course, a natural attempt to, to judge. And on the surface, it may look very you know, normal for us to judge it, but until you really penetrate the system mm -hmm. of the other person, then you realize certain things. For me, for instance, I had a friend uh, in France who came from the nobility. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear these names, de la Fontaine, de la, and so suite. Mm -hmm. um, and so the traditions of how many of the nobility uh, children get married are very similar to what we're mm -hmm. discussing now in India, right? Because right. there was an element of, well, there is a lot of money and wealth at stake here. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some traditions, etc. So who you marry is important. It's not just a right. matter of uh, uh, you go out in your world and you marry someone. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it has mm -hmm. to be somebody that the family kind of has faith that, okay, the person will go with the legacy of what, of what yes. the family has built. And it's, so hmm. now there's been some sort of changes or evolutions from... Uh, basically, let's say, uh, almost interventionist approach mm -hmm. of saying you should marry this person to maybe more subtle, oh, yeah. you know, you should go on the date to this person or people come at the house. And, you know, there's so many yeah. different ways in which these things are achieved. Number one, in Africa, when I look at the generation of my parents, mm -hmm. right, it was uh, also predominantly arranged marriages. And mm -hmm. the rationale that I, uh, that I was told or that, that I experienced also was that marriage is never a marriage of two people. It's always mm -hmm. a marriage of family. And that fits in the broader scheme of how do you keep social harmony? Right. When two families marry, I think some of the rationale is 
when issues occur, you know, we are we can go in and sort of mediate because we are now we know each other. Because each party is vested like the other party and is vested in seeing a resolution. And right. so on the on the one side you can say that it reduces the the, the amount of like let's say public fights, etc. On the other side, some people might say, well, are, are people actually happy? Which mm-hmm. leads me to the third question of what is happiness? Happiness is always relative. Happiness happens in a social context. You right. know, when I was in Benin, what happiness meant to me was very different to when I was in Europe, what happiness meant to me, which okay. is very different from what happiness means to me here now in the, in the U.S. Because, you know, different people experience happiness in a different way. Different cultures experience happiness in different ways. So I just For wanted sure. to share some of those perspectives. And finally, in the Middle East, um, you know, Saudi, UAE, uh, a, a lot of, let's say, what you might call arranged marriage mm-hmm. still happens. But yeah. again, it ha- these things happen in a social context. We might jump in and say, oh, but, you know, uh, you're forced to take this person. Da, da, da. We don't understand. Exactly. What, what happens and is actually different. So anyway, I wanted to I share this perspective. It's perfect. Uh, it's perfect. Uh, handover, I think, from topics that also emerge in my, in my mind and over time. I think there was for sure in myself as well a kind of a negative connotation with arranged marriages at that time. Right. So I came there and I said, well, this is not good. You know, somebody shouldn't choose <laughs> for you. And you have all these, you know, whatever, Western views and and you have a lot of i had a lot of um let's say um interpretation how this takes place and i didn't know you know i didn't know the context so that's that's one thing i think um what you mentioned um before being surprised i think is if you meet uh, encounter something that you didn't know yet or you have never no experience with being surprised i think is totally normal and is 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 a normal response to a situation you have never experienced before but judging it that's where you need to, you know, reflect upon yourself. Do I, right. you know, am I just surprised or already uh, making my interpretations? And then I think it's really important about, you know, uh, staying open yeah, and just uh, right. letting it happen. And that was, I mean, in this um, context, at least, I really worked with these guys a lot. And this right. whole awareness and them also sharing to me about, you know, them looking forward to being married came over time. So by that time, I, I knew them a little bit and I was very it was open, uh, open communication. And they, you know, we mm. could exchange both views because for them, to some extent, it was also just as crazy to just go out there and meet somebody somewhere at the party or whatever, <laughs> and then marry them. Right. First, yeah. So it was interesting. also interesting for me to see that, that perspective. Like, <laughs> and then you don't know the family. I said, yeah, of course I don't know the family. I will get to know the family later, but the family is not, you know, there's a whole different mm. um, interpretation. I think also this, you know, more, let's say individualistic kind of uh, culture, compared to the maybe more collectivistic culture, that's one dimension. There's many, many more. Because what right. you just said about families marrying, yeah, that is, I right. think, again, in, let's say, Germany or maybe parts of, of Europe, that just comes as a side product. Yeah? And it's not so much right. the, the, the thing that you first and foremost think about. It's really this, and you think there's also a lot of, you know, uh, meeting the one uh, and only in the world. Right. There's a lot of, let's say, <laughs> kind of uh, uh, interpretations or, or uh, myth around this. And um, yeah, that's one thing, being open, being non-judgmental, willingness to learn. This, I think, really, again, this is a general thing. You know, it doesn't have to do with this particular topic, but I think we can apply it to private life and to business life uh, just as well. Um, Yeah, this is a lot of things, as you mentioned, that we can derive from this. Absolutely. And one thing I wanted to to bring up up, uh, is the perception of coercion, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think... uh, in the West, and certainly, you know, having adopted many of uh, the views of the West, I think the first 
idea that at least to me comes to mind when you know the word arranged marriage or the term arranged marriage is spoken is uh, the, did she really want to mm-hmm. marry that guy and there are also connotations around women you know women self-determination around this yeah and so and i think obviously there are nuances with, you know within each culture etc mm-hmm. um the the one thing that i i can uh, certainly say is that is that the perception of like being forced is often not the reality in those cases right mm-hmm. not saying that uh, there are no forced marriages i mean there's mm-hmm. a whole lot of situations with global human rights issues so absolutely yeah. not discussing any of that but what i'm saying is your iit colleague for instance mm-hmm. uh and i don't know but i can i can imagine that there is a well-established system where they have convinced themselves or made up their mind that yeah, I believe in this approach of like, you know, families married or whatever the, the ethos is in, is in India. Mm-hmm. And I want to optimize things for myself within that system because that's the system in which you operate, right? right? And within that, maybe they will certainly let their parents know or their parents already know kind of what kind of person they are. Do they like women who are, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of a certain character or are they more focused on beauty? So I think some yeah. of the criteria are already filtered into the selection process that the parents are doing. So it's not like they'll bring you someone that uh, is completely, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the opposite of you or something. So yeah. that's number one. And number two, historically, um, how social, before all of this internet and, you know, I guess big cities or whatever, societies were much more spread out. Mm-hmm. You, you, you didn't just meet a, a bunch of guys or a bunch of girls in the street, yes. right? So there was a need for some sort of uh, market-making mechanism to actually broaden the field of what guys or what girls are available mm. and to kind of, you know, provide, let's say, the, the, the right uh, list. And second, because marriage was, was um, both a social but also a very heavy societal affair, mm. it was important to not lose face, right? So in mm. Benin, mm. for instance... If, uh, let's say, a woman um, does, you know, uh, poorly or a man does poorly in a relationship, it's almost like the entire family loses face. So, mm. you know, at least it was that, the, the case. Right now, yeah. every part is kind of westernized. So it's the responsibility of the family in some way, working mm. together with you, the bride or the groom, to say, mm. okay, we have to get this right because we can't go and, and let's say, put ourselves out there in the bad way. Right, absolutely, and I think also, I mean, obviously, um, these guys—they uh, have their parents had been, you know, through arranged marriages, so they had right. this experience. You know, it works, and they have also, you know, have have grown up with that as a normal way of getting, you know, married. And I think that's right. also important to understand that, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is this is a status quo in that part of the world, and there's a certain openness to it. And I think also a line that I remember very vividly was. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to falling in love with my future bride. And this is really Interesting. The, the, the start is, is getting to know the person then falling in love over time. And they were aware this takes months, whatever. Maybe it's quicker, maybe it doesn't. You know, it's just a different perception of how we, right. you know, see it in the, in, in the West. And I think also this shows a lot, as I mentioned before, this IIT student, uh, people, they were just, you know, they have this, um, the culture is very, very strong. Culture is very mm. You know, it, it is it, in the West, you might think, you know, whatever modernization comes and then, and we have a lot of those 
supposed values we export. You know, we think, you know, this is how things will go in the right. world, how things will develop over time. And I think that also gave me a good uh, reflection that there's more diversity in the world and there's more, um, you know, there's not single way things will develop or should develop. Uh, right. uh, because the future is is multi multi dimensional, I think that was was really good uh, a good experience. Um, I, I learned a lot about myself also, yeah, reflecting right. upon my preconceptions, and then so um, the world as such, you know, what's out there, and and seeing how they they approached it, and and I think it really they really were were married to these ladies, as far as I can tell. And I remember I'm still in touch with some of them. Obviously, it works, you know, so. Right. It's really nice to sometimes be a little bit surprised uh, in a way of your preconceptions and how you need to reflect upon your own uh, view. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, brilliant story. Uh, one last thing I wanted to add to this, at least based on uh, the some stories of the Middle East and Africa that I know, is that even this so-called arranged marriage concept, even that evolves, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes in our mind it's frozen to, okay, the father and mother go and find your wife and they give it to you and they give mm -hmm. the, the wife to you as if somehow she was assigned <laughs> to you or something. Yeah. So, but even those concepts evolve, right? It was the case also in the West at some point mm -hmm. that there was, you know, arranged marriages. Et it's still the case in the nobility. Mm -hmm. There is a lot more bottom up process going on. So what I mean by that is friends and you, maybe cousins and so forth, I guess. Yeah. Also and, and you, and you yourself, you know, there are mm -hmm. channels through which you basically use your parents almost like as a, some sort of a background check of some sort. Ah, you know, I'm starting to talk to this and that girl. Uh, yeah. You know, what do you know about can you, her? Can you family, investigate? Family? <laughs> exactly. Kind of thing. So even within yeah. this so-called arranged marriage, marriages thing, there's some sort of evolution. It's not just mm -hmm. one thing. And I'm sure that in various countries, it takes on different goals. The point of it is that there people in those cultures see marriage more as... Um, something over the long term, not something mm -hmm. driven by uh, emotions of, oh my God, I, I just feel like this person takes me to cloud nine. And we know that those yeah. emotions kind of change. People see yeah. this as more of a long-term thing. People see this as more than just the two individuals because, mm -hmm. you know, when you have kids, family get involved. When you have fights, families get involved, etc. So they see it as something that has to be looked at in the context of compatibility of the broader yes. Yes. family. Yes. Yes, and I think just the term family, I also realized in that time, family for me is basically my brothers and my parents, you know, that's my <laughs> right. family and then maybe my grandmother and so forth, but it's a rather small, like, I don't know, you can count nucleus, on two hands yeah. or so, yeah, it's a nucleus, but family in other parts of the world means a lot more and a right. lot broader uh, term of people are, are considered. Also for this wedding, I learned later, you know, it's kind of customary that you invite the neighbors, you invite work colleagues. It's it's a broad thing. You know, right. everybody kind in of... In Germany, you wouldn't invite your neighbor to a wedding. No, for sure Unless not. Unless you have a very really friend. close friends or something. Yeah. It's, it's a different concept. So that's, that comes also into play. And I also wanted to mention, uh, because I now took very much this uh, groom's uh, point of view, I think they explained to me also the same goes for the bride, yeah? They okay. also, you know, the, the, the both sides of the families, they look for the right partner. And there's a lot going on of, you know, this person might not be right. So basically only if both parties, like the grooms and the bride's side of the families, they kind of feel okay with it. Then later on, this introduction will take place. It's not like uh, driven by one side. It's really that's a process that's working from both sides. And as you mentioned, nobility in, in Europe and so forth, I think that's also something that, uh, plays a role in that there's you know in the end 
the uh, idea is really to create a, a partnership that lasts forever, of course, forever, right. will be very you know positive for both and so forth and so forth. I mean, I'm absolutely sure, as you said, as with any other form of being married, there's also cases where things are, are difficult, but I think that's, right. you know, again, the main point. Every really system is, has its pros and cons. Exactly. Yeah. And it is, like you said, it is, you have to look at the system. In which context does this uh, work? And in which right. context doesn't it work? I think, you know, the arranged marriage in, in the German context might be difficult, you know, because we obviously don't have this uh, tradition of, you know, getting to know other families and right. even having all these. There's a lot of culture behind that, you know, nothing coincidence. And then there's a lot of uh, ways of doing things. And all this for me, 100%. of course, was, was very new and very, <laughs> very, uh, let's say, intransparent at the beginning. But it was a great experience. And I really look very much back uh, to that time. Great, great. And in closing, uh, as usual, we reflect on how can one of these things be applied in the broader, uh, you know, human experience, uh, be it business or, you know, the learnings from this, uh, yeah. how can it be applied in, in our lives today, right? I have an example yeah. about business, but I'll let you go first to be as, as the owner of sure. the story. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I think, uh, first of all, we all need to be aware of that we come from some culture, some, you know, our ways of doing things is in a context of one culture, at least, or maybe multiple ones. But I think you have some preconceptions of how things are done and how things work. And I think accepting that and realizing that uh, first and foremost, and then uh, when you engage with other cultures, or other people to be, let's say, open and non-judgmental and the willingness to learn that's really help, helpful to, to basically grow yourself, to really learn about other systems and learn about other people. And then I think also you may experience a lot of things. You might not even uh, like everything or see positive in the end, but I think you can still reflect upon what, what is good of that. What can I take for myself? What, what, you know, what I like and keep that for yourself. I think that's something I also in many experiences I, I, I try to do to just think what's good about that and then take right. that part with you and continue through life and really, yeah, just uh, just stay, you know, as you mentioned, not ju judgmental. Be really open and, uh, yeah, open for experience, I would say. Absolutely. And for learning. Um, I'd like to add uh, an application to, you know, business transformation. Uh, I've been mm -hmm. involved in many business transformations. Uh, the idea that you go and help a business evolve from where they are today to a different state, which often involves culture change painful painless uh business transformations but my takeaway is that the business transformations that tend to succeed are the ones when or where the person or the team coming to do the transformation spends a lot of time understanding the culture of the company that they're uh, mm -hmm. working in because by understanding that culture you can understand why it is that way what are the incentives and the motivations of the parties and then you can have an assessment of how feasible the changes that you bring into this culture are, right? And one example, I, I launched, recently launched um, a social uh, enterprise uh, mm -hmm. in Benin, where, you know, I, I came in, uh, sent meeting invites to people, kind of, you know, got all these uh, things set up. I show up, showed up at the meeting, which was supposed to be six people, mm -hmm. and only one other guy showed up. Okay. And I was like, well, what's going on here? Uh, and then I, I called, I started calling folks who are like, oh, yes, uh, the meeting is today, right? I said, mm -hmm. it's now, you know, <laughs> I sent an invite to your calendar. He said, mm -hmm. ah, 
to my calendar. And so he is not used to checking a calendar. Mm -hmm, he was like, mm -hmm. oh, in future, send me an email. Mm -hmm. So it, this may sound very basic to someone of saying, hey, you know, if you, you check, you have a phone, suddenly you can see a calendar. And the, but that wasn't part of a culture, a calendar driven day. It wasn't part of the way that people operate there. He said, send me right. an email because he, he, he checks his email. He said, better yet, send me a WhatsApp. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm trying to change the culture of that place, should I impose a calendar or should I maybe mm. think about a WhatsApp driven meeting invite or something mm. else? Mm. Right. Mm. But first I need to understand how people operate there and not say, who are these people? Right. They are backwards. They don't use email. Yeah. Well, you know, there are different ways that people uh, keep track of activities and time. Anyway, yeah, I wanted yeah. to share that example. That's great. That's great. And maybe just two cents, uh, sentences to, to add to that. I think you were there to set up your social uh, business, I think, you know, and I always try to remember this, this line, you know, eyes on the prize. Like, why am I right. here? I want to succeed. Right. right? And then if, if something doesn't work out, I think the normal reaction in companies as well as in, in people is, you know, you, you have your ways and you feel maybe superior or, you know, you assume your ways are the way to go. Uh, but right. I think really it helps to sometimes you know, to understand there's no bad intent on the other side. First, assume that. And if it is the case, you will find out soon enough. But as you mentioned, if two companies merge, one company, usually both companies think they know best, right? <laughs> right. And only if both sides kind of, at least the teams or some individuals in those teams uh, are open to, let's say, you know, to go in there without, um, you know, look, yeah, arm down or whatever you call that, just to, to learn. Right. That's again, yeah, a perfect example that you mentioned in, in the business context, you know, eyes Absolutely. on the prize. What am I here for? What do I want to achieve? And I think this uh, approach of, you know, yeah, being open and not judgmental uh, helped in a lot of contexts, I'm sure. Absolutely. I love your framing of, uh, you know, assume good intent or do mm -hmm. not assume bad intent, right? Mm -hmm. Great episode. I love this story and uh, keep them coming. <laughs> <laughs> Same to you. Thanks a lot, Zaman. It was great again. I, I also like very much how, how far we can interpret these because it was just one experience, but there's a lot of ways of looking at it. And yeah, thanks again for the session and uh, looking forward to the next one with you.